0: It's time to get inside the Giants huddle, huddle, up, huddle, up, huddle up. on Giants.com. Here we go. Here we go. In the Giants mobile. Get him in there. Let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. My name is John Schmelk. You recognize this guy from ESPN. His name is Matt Miller. We thank him for joining us. And we love getting Matt on late in the process because he's one of the guys that really has his ear to the pavement to get the latest draft buzz. Matt, thanks so much for being with us, man. I know you're crazy busy. Appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, of course. It's a tradition. You know, I think we've been doing this since I don't even remember when we started. I was back at Bleacher Report. We've been doing this a long time. I know that uh, it's been fun every year, kind of tracking what the Giants are going to do. And, and as you and I talked about at the Combine, I'm such a huge believer in Joe Shane and Brian Dable. So having two picks in the top 10, it's not just fun for you guys. Like, it's actually fun for me as well to kind of see you know a new direction for this franchise and to see really see where things are going to go.
0: Yeah, it was fun to catch up with you at the Combine and at the Senior Bowl as well. Just remind the folks, by the way, you can find the Giants on no podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms at Giants mobile app, giants.com slash podcast. And if you like this content, make sure you go find Draft Season. That's our draft podcast here. Make sure you go find it. Subscribe on its separate podcast platform. Myself, Tony Pauline, Eric Crocker. Chop it up on everything draft. Matt, I want to go back to your buzz column from earlier in the week with Jordan Reed that you guys put up. And you had a little note tucked in right at the bottom that you think the giants really love Charles cross. And since then I've, we had Rick Saratella from NFL draft Bible on. He said the same thing, Peter Schrager mock Charles Cross to the giants over, I believe it was Evan Neal in a mock draft. So can you expand on that a little bit? What you're hearing about the giants being connected to Charles cross?
1: Yeah. I th- you know, I think it starts with the 30 visits the teams have where they bring players in. And this time of year, you know, the when you're down to the wire on those visits, it's you're usually bringing in players because you have a legitimate interest in them. And they did bring Charles Cross in. I'm told it went very well. You know, speaking to people both close to the team and the player, I know there was a conversation about his ability to play right tackle, how comfortable he felt there. I actually had the opportunity to watch him work out at O-Line Masterminds early in the draft process in Frisco, Texas. So I'm doing things at right tackle, right? So, and also seeing the athleticism that he brings to the table where, even though he was a two-year starter at left tackle at Mississippi State, he is a redshirt sophomore entry. He's a young player who definitely has the athleticism to play either side. He's comfortable playing right tackle. So I look at Charles and say, you know, maybe you're not the day one polished prospect Evan Neal or Iki are, but for the scheme that Brian Dable wants to bring in and for the upside, he's an ascending player. And sometimes you get guys from Alabama and you say – you might, you might not have better coaching in the NFL than you had at Alabama. You might not have a better strength and conditioning program in the NFL than you had at Alabama. So sometimes guys come out of Tuscaloosa and they're maxed out. I think coming out of that Mike Leach system, a lot of people feel Charles Cross is starting to scratch the surface. So there's definitely a lot of folks on, again, both side from player side and from team side, where you hear that connection a lot that he could be a target at five or seven overall. It has been fun to see that I'm not the only one hearing it because I I think I first reported it two weeks ago in a, in a buzz notebook that we put out every Friday and said, you know, I'm hearing a lot of, a lot of momentum for this player in this team. And it it just seems to either picked up from there. So when that happens, you either think like, okay, we're all hearing it because it's true or we'll all either that, or we're all hearing it because the team wants us to hear it. Right. And I guess we'll find out on Thursday, which one it was.
0: Yeah. And you were certainly the person I saw it from first, Matt, when you talk to people around the league, how universal, is that top three tackle ranking the Neil Laquan cross do most teams have them rated the same. Do most teams have them, you know, on that same pocket. How universal is the analysis from the people you're talking to around the league?
1: The only thing universal is that those three guys are the top three. You could, you'll get a, a different order. I've probably talked to 12 teams in the past couple of days, trying to nail down, you know, final information. Also just trying to, Hey, are there any players that are, kind of under the radar that I need to be aware of or medical issues that I need to be aware of. And that is a common thing I ask is like, Hey, where do you guys have the tackles or where do you have the pass rushers? Where do you have the quarterbacks? Those groups this year that are really closely ranked together. You try to you know, poke a prod to get some of that information. I don't think there is a consensus as to who the top tackle is. I think it varies by team. You know, the New York giants are going to have a different need than the New York jets are going to have, or than the New Orleans saints are going to have. So I think that is one thing that makes this year unique. It's almost a little bit more like 2020, where I loved Tristan Wirfs, but thought he was a right tackle. For teams that needed a left tackle, he was not you know, as high of a value, but I still loved the player. I feel like this year is really similar, where Iki Aquanu especially, I think he could be an all-pro guard, could be a really good tackle. Charles Cross, we talked about, there's some positional versatility. Evan Neal, there's also positional versatility. You know, With Evan, one of the biggest questions is, which player are we getting? Because he's a guy who was 360 pounds at times at Alabama. He got down to 337 for the combine. Looks great, and, and has stayed at that that spot. But it, I do know it is something teams are worried about. Is okay when the when it's not the pre-draft process. When it, when you're not in the honeymoon phase, is he going to put some of that weight back on? How do you keep him locked in and conditioned? Basically,
0: you mentioned the pass rushers, and I think that's interesting too. <laughs> You basically just said they're not uniform. So I guess I'll go this way, because I feel like Hutchinson and Walker have kind of elevated themselves generally as the top two. Do you think that's fair before I move on that's to the fair. part of this? Yeah, that's
1: fair. Yeah.
0: How far, or maybe not at all, is Kayvon Thibodeau slipping, sliding just a little bit, maybe out of the top five? Yeah. Do you think, is that team to team? Is that overblown? What are you hearing? I Actually, I do
1: think it's team to team. and And he is the player that, If you could read my text messages, uh, (laughs) he is the player I'm asking the most about as we get to the end of this process. Because, as you know, John, teams are going to be a little more forthcoming this time of year, especially teams that feel like they don't have a shot at that player. You know, if you're drafting in the teams or 20s, you're going to speak pretty freely about Kayvon Thibodeau because he's going to be off the board. So one thing I heard this morning from someone who's very high up with the team that will not have a chance to draft him is that this person got back to me and said, hey, we're not worried about it. He cares about his brand. He absolutely does. He's a marketer. He cares about the opportunities football can set up for him, but he's not a bad person. He's not a bad character player. He's not a bad, he doesn't have bad football character. He just does care about his off field stuff. And for some people that will rub them the wrong way. This particular team is comfortable with Thibodeau. Again, they won't have the opportunity to draft him. Maybe it's easier to be comfortable with them because of that, but (laughs) I do think it will be team by team, you know, just like You know, you and I could sit in a room and talk to a person and have completely different view on if we want to trust them. You know, when you make a pick in the top five, you're betting your job, you're betting your coach's jobs, your scout's jobs, your secretary's job. Like you're betting a lot of jobs on that pick. You want to get it right. It's not just about the money. It's about all of the people they impact and the domino effect of that. So I think with teams that are considering Thibodeau, whether it's the Texans, the Jets, the Giants, uh, you have to be comfortable with that. I've done the the legwork where I would be comfortable with it if I were in that war room on Thursday night, if I were the Jets or the Giants to say, hey, I believe that this young man wants to be great. I believe he does love the game of football. We saw that when he came back this year after he got hurt in week one. He came back. We've seen before guys get hurt, mm-hmm. but Nick Bosa got hurt and probably could have come back that season. Decided not to. I don't remember him getting crushed for it. But Thibodeau decided, hey, I will get back on the field. I will try to work, you know, my team to win a conference championship to make it to the Rose Bowl. And, and I think he deserves as much credit for that as, as he kind of does the the question marks, you know, about, oh, he cares about his brand. It's 2022. I think every, almost every player cares about their brand now.
0: Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com suites for more information. And then let's talk about the other guy, Derek Stingley, who I think is really a wild card here, Matt. You know, Daniel Jeremiah reported the other day that he suffered that Frank injury in August and tried to play through it in that UCLA game at the start of the year. So what does that that say about the kid, right? That he tried to play through a very – my understanding is those Frank injuries are extremely painful that he tried to play through that thing. How universal is Sauce ahead of him for teams or – has Stingley made some progress back as coaches and teams look at that 2019 tape and, and just fall in love?
1: Yeah, I think it's very split at this point. I I've talked to some teams that say, Hey, we like Stingley. And in fact, I've heard that Houston Texans really like Derek Stingley jr. Could take him at number three overall. Even they like him wow. that much. They've done a lot of work on him and you're right. What, what DJ reported is very accurate. It's what I've heard from people at LSU even is that he, he loves football. That's not a question. Uh, I, you know, thought the 2020 tape, you almost had to throw it out for a lot of guys because of the COVID shortened season. Also, LSU goes from being one of the greatest programs of all time to a five and five team that really struggled. You had a coach that was kind of losing his grip on the program. And, and I think it's understandable. Hey, some guys didn't play as well as they did the year before. They also weren't surrounded by, you know, a ton of as much talent, you know, to where Teams just weren't throwing as stingly. Of course, he's not going to have six interceptions. He was still an All-American. So I am a fan of his, John. I think, you know, the, the Liz Frank injury is really my only concern. And it, it seems like from the pro day, he's fine. He's ready to go. And he, he should be a top five pick. The only reason he won't be is if teams value the offensive tackles and the pass rushers ahead of him. But some team will get an absolute steal if he does slide in the draft.
0: You know, just look at Damone Clark and Neil Farrell's tape from 2020. It was bad, too, because that defense was a mess. And it was much better last year. 100% I'm with you on that. So how likely do you think that a non-pass rusher and non-offensive tackle goes in the top four then before the Giants go at five?
1: I would be surprised. I think the Jets uh, would are a bit of a wild card where Joe Douglas could go with a corner like a Sauce Gardner or Derek Stanley Jr. They could surprise us and go wide receiver, although I think they'd be smarter to wait until pick 10 to do that. No, Part of my job is to try to get to know these general managers, either with a personal relationship or get to know someone close to them so that you can kind of get some intel into what they're doing. Having said that, it's very difficult for me to believe that we look at how talented this offensive tackle class is and how talented this pass rusher class is and think that Joe Douglas, of all people, is going <laughs> to pass on being able to build in the trenches. That is just not the Joe Douglas that people know. So it would surprise me if he went corner or wide receiver at four. I also, you know, Robert Sala had a ton of success in San Francisco without spending premium picks on corners. We'll see if that's a philosophy that he brings to New York or not. But I do think the Giants are in a great position, you know, even if it's Aiden Hutchinson at one, Travon Walker at two, the Texans and, uh, Texans and Jets really can't do anything that should throw off the Giants strategy because you either take the best right tackle available or the best defensive end available, and the board will fall to where one of those, whether it's Thibodeau or Charles Cross, Ikiaquanu, someone's going to be there that's a really good value.
0: Yeah, no question. And then at five, you know, Joe Shane said this at his press conference the other day. He's playing the game. Of, what are the Panthers going to do at six? Can I wait on somebody because they might take them? Absolutely. Are, are, I know they've done all the work on the guys, Matt. So my gut tells me they're not taking a quarterback. What are you hearing? And if they don't go quarterback, is that definitely one of the tackles there?
1: Yeah, so I, in my final mock draft, I will have them taking a quarterback just because I, I believe they'll trade back and, and take a quarterback. And let someone come up, whether it's the a team like the New York Jets needs to be watching what you guys do at pick five and say, okay, we need the exact same things they do. We better come up and make sure that they don't get the guy at seven. Or a team that wants a wide receiver, you want to get ahead of the Atlanta Falcons at eight. You could come up uh to, to the sixth spot, let the Panthers slide back. But if they stay there, they absolutely do need a left tackle. Cam Irving is their left tackle right now. And I mean, no disrespect to him. That's not, not going to get it done. No, not a left tackle, right? He's a swing guy. And so I do think also as a team, they have pick six and that pick 137. They got to do something right. And they do have a lot of holes. I would argue do it. Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than Cam Irving is a left tackle. So if you're talking about what is the priority, it's left tackle over quarterback. You could roll with Sam Darnold and, and pull a trade for Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Uh, you got PJ Walker back there who's familiar with Matt Rule. Like, I, I do think tackle is a much bigger need for the Panthers than quarterback is, if that makes sense.
0: No, look, I'm, I'm with you 100%. You mentioned a potential for a trade-up for the Giants. If Joe Shane's looking to bank more picks for this year, maybe, you know, hedging their bets next year, getting extra picks yeah. like the Eagles just did, right? Where do you think they could move? How far back could they? Because, you know, in order to get that, you know, there's been reporting that the price to move up is going down because the quarterback class isn't valued as much, and I think that makes a lot of sense. People are going to trust their scouts and where they place these quarterbacks. So how far back would the Giants have to go to try to bank a one for next year? And is that even feasible, you think, in this year's draft? Would it be a, a much smaller move down, in your opinion?
1: I think if you want to move back, you need, you need a quarterback to go at six because then you have teams. If you're the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're really trying to come out of here with a quarterback, you would be aggressive enough to come up and get one. Um, And you do have to worry about Atlanta at eight. So if I'm the giants, I'm doing two things. I'm telling people seven's available. And then I'm telling everybody, you know, I hear the Falcons want a quarterback pretty badly, or I hear the Seahawks might take a quarterback, you know, you're putting, you're putting that out there, trying to get someone to come up. So again, Whether it's the Steelers at twenty, the Saints have two picks in the teens. Maybe they want to ladder their way up to be able to get a quarterback and hold on to one of those potentially, which would you know could then include a next year's pick. Um, So that I think those are the right scenarios. If Carolina takes a quarterback, you start screaming it from the rooftops that Atlanta and Seattle. That you know, if you're Joe Shane, you want to be telling everybody, you know, my good friends in Atlanta and Seattle, I I hear they hear they want a quarterback. Uh, and then try to get someone to it to be enticed to come up and get whether it's Malik, Willis or Kenny Pickett.
0: Yeah, I think Pittsburgh is 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 the sweet spot there. If you can pull that off, I'm with you. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, presales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888 NYG 1925 or visit giants.com/tickets for more information. This podcast, by the way, is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Giants. Matt, all right. So let's say the Giants pick that tackle at five, and they're sitting there at seven. They have similar grades on, let's say a Stingley and a Thibodeau, they're both there and they can pick one or the other. Do you feel better about the edge guys or the corners when the Giants come up at 36? I think it's a pretty yeah. easy answer at An edge. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I feel better about, I actually feel better about the corner group in round two. Uh, no, go ahead. I, I think the corner group, some of it's injury, like Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson uh, could be there. You know, he had to have a uh, hernia surgery this off season. I really like his tape. Uh, Kyrie Elam from Florida could be there. Uh, he was a little bit, almost like his technique got a little lazy this past year. But I think he's a starting corner in the.
0: He NFL. got very grabby down the field. Yeah, right? absolutely,
1: yeah. right. So, but but he could be there, and I think grabby is an easier fix than with sure. the pass rushers. I see a lot of guys who are missing something. You know, Nick Benito, incredible production in the in the Big 12, but he's undersized. Uh, Arnold Ebicady, yeah, another guy who's kind of undersized for the position, and I think they both project as more role players than starters, you know. And so the I look at the corner class in the 30s, you can get starters. The pass rusher group, I think you're betting on players who are maybe like minus one trait. Uh Boye Mafe from Minnesota, a guy who played like 40% of snaps there. Now he was productive when he was on the field, but you have to wonder why were you a rotational player at Minnesota where yeah. it's not Georgia, you know, where where they're rolling them out left and right to the point that Jermaine Johnson has to transfer. Right. It's not like that. So I would rather go edge at seven and corner at, you know, I think 36 or 38, wherever yeah, they're at in round yep, two and and look at it that way. Because I do think someone like Booth Jr., Kyra Elam, Roger McCreary, uh, maybe Kyler Gordon. Uh, I think the depth at, at corner is a little bit better this year. Now the risk you run as teams in the twenties, uh, you know, Buffalo and Kansas city could definitely thin out that corner market a little bit, but it feels like corner. We've got the you know, sauce and Stingley. are going to go early. And then there's a, then there's a gap and how big that gap is could mean that there's, there's some really good players available early
0: round too. We're joined by Matt Miller from ESPN. Matt, what position do you think we're going to have that run on at the end of round one, right? It's usually either wide yep. out corner yep. edge. It could be interior offensive line. Where do you think we're going to have that group where you get to the end of Thursday night? And you're like, wow, seven guys from that position really went in the first round. Where do you think that run's going to happen?
1: Yeah, wide receiver, without a doubt. I think you get past, you know, we we expect Garrett Wilson, Drake London, probably Jamison Williams to go in the top 17. Sure. But then after that, like New England could take one at 21. Green Bay could take one at 22. Who knows what the Cardinals are going to do at 23. Same thing for Dallas at 24. Then you got Buffalo, Tennessee. They could both take one. Uh, you got Kansas City in there mm-hmm. twice. Green Bay, again, Green Bay could take two receivers. The Lions at 32. So the record is seven uh, wide receivers in the first round. I would not be shocked at all if we saw that record fall. Now, some of it will be teams. uh, I'm anticipating teams look at some of the money being spent at receiver and say, no, thank you. I would rather draft one in the late first round. And we have that player for five years under under roster control uh, and and are able to say, OK, this is easy money. We're paying you, you know, $10 million for four or five years instead of. 25 million dollars a year so i think smart team building is going to push wide receivers up the board and make it it's already been a valuable position but i think it's going to make it more valuable especially where we've seen so much of the talk is you can wait until round two and get a debo samuel or a michael Pittman or wait and get a cooper cup i I think what we're going to see happen is the same thing that happened at quarterbacks the the price tag gets so expensive that it just becomes smart team building to draft those players late first round so that you have that five years of control basically
0: By the way, you can go check out Matt's Top 300 on ESPN.com. It is up there. Uh, Three positions in need, Matt. You can take them in any order that you want. Giants have a need, a tight end, running back, and then safety, which is kind of a stealth need for them. What's the sweet spot you think for those three positions in this draft where the need is kind of going to meet up with the value there?
1: Yeah, I think running back it's probably round round three or round four. Uh, Brees Hall might go in the first round. Kenneth Walker gonna go in the second round for sure. But then round three you could get you know Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M, James Cook and Zamir White from Georgia. I love Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. He's uh, fast, he, man. Woo. Right. I think he'll be a starter in the NFL. I really do. So I think that's a good range. Tight end. I, I tweeted about this the other day. I think tight end in around four is kind of the sweet spot yeah, because there's good depth and we're not gonna see one go in the first round we might not see the first tight end come off the board until like Tampa or Cincinnati at the end of round 2 because the value is just not there. You know, maybe Green Bay is in that mix as well for the first tight end, but uh whether it's Trey McBride or Greg Dulcich, like you might be able to wait until round 4 and get a Jeremy Rucker from Ohio State or, you know, James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. Like there's there's good players at the tight end position that are going to be there, there in round 4 and be starters. For safety, I safety's deep. It's like a sneaky deep spot to where I, I almost wonder, you know, if Daxton Hill comes up the board round. He should. I love Daxton Hill from Michigan. He should come up the board in round one. Yeah, and he's what almost happens, as much
0: of a corner as a safety, right? Exactly, With the way he plays right. the
1: slot. Exactly. So, like, what happens to Jaquan Brisker, Jalen Petrie, uh, what happens to Brian Cook, Nick Cross from Maryland? Where those guys go? Like, round three might be pretty dang thick on safeties, depending on how the board
0: comes. Interesting. All right. As we wrap up here, Matt, give me your ideal scenario for the Giants. You know, or or give me what you think is going to happen. You can take it either way you want. Five, seven, and thirty-six. Give me yeah. the three first three picks the Giants walk away with with this draft.
1: Yeah, I think a five, Kayvon Thibodeau makes too much sense. I think he'd be I, he'd be great in that scheme. Uh, fantastic value. So I, if he's there, he would be my pick. At seven, I've re, I've said too much about it to not go this way. I think Charles Cross. Makes a ton of sense at seven. And then as we talked about, corner at 36 is a sweet spot for me. So Kyer Elam from Florida would be the guy. Um, I do think, as you mentioned, trying to trade out to bank an extra first in 2023 is a smart move, just given the uneven quarterback play that has existed there. But uh, you got to wait and see what's on the board. If you have the opportunity to get a pass rusher and a right tackle, they can be blue chip building blocks. I think you have to do that and worry about next year, next year.
0: And by the way, you mentioned you were calling around. Who's the guy that we should be talking about, but that we're not, that maybe NFL teams like in these later rounds that might surprise people.
1: Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, Durant from South Carolina state, the corner Uh, to Durant is, and I I hate that I was so late on it, but he was one of those guys. Like, as I was making calls, people kept saying, Hey, like you, you got to get higher on this guy. But I'd already turned on my stuff, in, right? You, the, the world of living <laughs> with editors, right? I turned my stuff in. And it's like, so I finally went back and watched because South Carolina State tape is not the easiest thing to always get. God bless the new employers at ESPN who have that stuff ready and available for us. I was, I was able to finally actually watch cutups of his play. And he's a talented player. I wish I had ranked him higher. I think there's a chance he goes in the fourth or fifth round.
0: And Matt will have a seven-round mock draft coming out next week. Uh, from my lips to God's ears, that no trades happen between now and then. Good luck Please. with that, Matt. yeah. And, and tell the folks uh, where they can find you on Twitter and, and anything else you want to let them know.
1: Yeah, at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter and all social media platforms. I'm like Kayvon Thibodeau, worried about that brand. Uh, <laughs> and then, like you said, uh, ESPN Plus for my top 300 and a seven-round mock draft next week.
0: Make sure you check it out, Matt. Always a pleasure. Like I think we've been doing this for seven, eight years now. It's always great yeah. to talk to you. Thanks so much. And congratulations on, on being full-time at the Mothership. We'd love to see on all the programming, NFL Live, Get Up, and everything else you're doing. Congratulations. And we'll talk to you down the road, all right? Thanks, John. Matt Miller from ESPN. Make sure you stay tuned to the Giants Huddle Podcast. Check out our beat reporter, mock That went up earlier this week. And we will see you next time on the Giants Huddle as we continue our coverage of the NFL Draft. Next week, we're going to have our offensive line um, report with Shona Hare and David Dill as they break down all those offensive linemen. We'll see you next time, everybody.